Welcome to the Noble Ape Podcast, Ape Reality. I'm John Bartolet, and today, well, I got some changes from Intel. This is kind of pre-WWDC, Apple's Worldwide Developer Conference for 2007. Noble Ape has on-again, off-again relationship with Apple's WWDC. Pretty well on-again, though. However, I did get an email from my friends at Intel informing me that they wouldn't be using Noble Ape this year. However, and I'm yet to explore the source code fully, but it appears that they put in a substantial amount of work into both the vector brain programming and also the thread code that I'd been using in Noble Ape. And what was in fact probably the most pertinent feedback that they gave that I'm going to talk about a little bit today is that they believe, and I think this is the case as well, that the graphics component of the Noble Ape simulation should be completely written in OpenGL. And I think that's right. I think the time has come to actually, and probably with reference to the 2003 implementation of the simulation in OpenGL, but I think the time has come to rewrite all the graphics of the simulation to run through OpenGL. And this has been a long time coming. I was reviewing and have been reviewing over the past couple of weeks a number of the older podcasts. In particular, there seems to be a gap in the podcast discussion with regards to the contemporary graphics on the simulation and how they got to be in the situation that they are currently. So I thought today, using the Intel stuff as a little lead-in, I would talk a little bit more about the graphics on the simulation and talk a bit about what needs to be done to produce a fully OpenGL version of the graphics in the simulation. Now, when I say this, previously, the OpenGL version that I developed in 2002-2003 came through the GLUT interface, which is a single window, almost full screen interface for accessing OpenGL environments. And what I'd like to do is do an interface that was almost identical, or perhaps almost identical but considerably improved, from the contemporary simulation interface. So we're talking about four or five windows and all the components that you view with regards to the contemporary simulation. Now, when I say five windows, there is a potential for having a first-person view, or a first ape to be more appropriate, view of the simulation. It could be possible to use the current terrain window as the movement from terrain to first-person view, kind of scroll up scroll down, kind of looking from the isometric projection currently to a first-person perspective. And this is something I'm very, very receptive to because, historically, the first full-colour graphics for the Noble Ape simulation was what was called the PSI algorithm at the time, PSI, and that was a first-person perspective graphics algorithm. Now, without going too deeply into the history of all this nonsense, I will start at the beginning and work in, in even chronological time steps forward to the present day. My background with regard to developing graphics have always been kind of monochrome line vectors back in the day. And really the earliest graphics I did were either monochrome line vectors for real-time interaction or a two-dimensional sprite animation, which I used in the SchmuckQuest series of games. And from that kind of very basic animation and descriptions of three-dimensional environments in, in pure line terms, the kind of Noble 8 development grew out of that. The original simulation interface was very much based on my previous vector 3, it was called, when there was actually a VEC2 and uh, an original vector. But very simple line vector graphics algorithms used 
to produce very fast graphics, basically, and very fast graphics on what were 4 to 8 megahertz processors. So when I started developing Noble Ape, it was just logical to use the existing graphics engines that I had written, and it was only until the Australian Film Commission grant that I started even looking at things like colour. But with the Australian Film Commission grant, I developed a real-time first-person perspective landscape algorithm called Psy, which continued with the Noble Ape simulation for two or three years following. It was one of the bits of technology that really got me back to California, and it is the primary bit of technology that written about in the Rushkov article. However, through all the nonsense that occurred when I was in the Bay Area, I've never touched the algorithm since and don't have much interest in going back to it. But in about 2002, 2003, really probably 2002, having done the Stockholm rewrite, I was interested in looking at the potential of using third-party graphics interfaces like OpenGL as a means of running the simulation through a relatively standardised environment. You need to appreciate the Psy narrative and also the follow-on to that, the Ocelot code that I've written since, is all very much non-polygonal, and that's really been a kind of personal legacy of my own development. So in 2002-2003, I started experimenting with OpenGL, and at the time I was using computers that were kind of circa 97-98. The OpenGL rendering was all done through software, so it was surprisingly slow. Even for my low expectations, it was even lower than I expected it to be, and from that I developed the Ocelot algorithm, which is the algorithm, the graphics algorithm that draws the terrain currently in the Noblate simulation. And that was just so much faster than the OpenGL options that are available. Now, what has changed? What makes Ocelot no longer faster? Well, a large number of these things relate to how much faster on one side graphics card technology got, but also how much slower doing any kind of drawing through windows got in terms of just doing effectively memory dumps from what appears to be what should be in the window to what actually is in the window. And this movement where the graphics cards became faster and doing kind of raw graphics, which is what I'd done up until now, became considerably slower. The final nail in the coffin for Ocelot really was the most recent required set of developments. This movement from being able to still see speed optimization through doing 1 and 8-bit graphics, no longer the case. It's not that there's a slowdown, it's just that there's no real benefit in maintaining the graphics in 1 and 8-bit. And, well, there is a slight slowdown. There are various things that need to be done. And if you're familiar with the OS ten four deprecations, you'll know what I'm talking about. But similarly, on the Windows end and the Linux end, whilst the graphics are relatively fast, they do consume a lot of processor power. And the general view is that this processor power would be better spent on things like the cognitive simulation and all the other wonderful things that I want to be doing with Noble Ape, like ApeScript, and the graphics now could be something that was very, very thin. But here's the other thing. I want to actually improve the graphics dramatically. I want actual apes wandering around, I want trees, I want moving water, I want them to fish and pluck berries from trees and things like that, you know, birds flying over the sky. And really Ocelot doesn't offer me that. Currently, OpenGL, possibly. Not really currently, but it all seems to be moving in the right direction. And rather than relying on my own time, because that's really what happens when you write your own graphics algorithms, it might be nice to actually rely on these uh, multi-billion dollar corporations that actually invest in this kind of technology as opposed to me just tinkering. So I won't call this a complete loss in terms of my original ethos and ideology, but as I'm now working with the likes of Apple and Intel, one can't be uh, totally 
certainly immune to corporate America. So I am going to be, uh, I don't know how long it'll take, but I'll start the investigation with regards to replicating exactly what you see in the contemporary simulation through OpenGL. I'd actually like to do light rendering on the dots of the brain. I think that'd be kind of cute and then move into some kind of translucent cloud associated with the cognitive simulation. Something that shows the full 3D element more than just rotation and, and different highlighting. Well, different monochrome highlighting currently, although light highlighting would be nice too. And I think this will just give me the ability to, in some regard, farm out aspects of the graphics. I mean, this is what Riddle P and I were talking about before Riddle started his most recent studies in terms of just giving a scope to improve the graphics rather than just staying with them as they are because as they are currently, it's an interesting historical legacy and I'll certainly maintain the code in some form although it needs to be now something like OpenGL and I'm not necessarily resigned to the fact but really just looking forward to actually developing other aspects of the simulation I'm just maintaining the graphics and getting lots of headaches every time there are OS changes that, that change aspects of the graphics rendering even more so. So what does this mean in actual development terms? Well, for me personally, it means probably three to five months of actually finding symbiotic code to represent what the current graphics rendering shows and also do it in such a way that it's nicely within floating windows. I'm a little concerned with regards to the differences between Mac, Windows and and Linux with regards to this kind of interface. However, the kind people at Intel have written a pthreads version of the simulation and if I then farm it out in a pthread term, and I have some code somewhere that makes Windows run like pthreads as well, if I combine all these technologies then it will save me time with regards to the threading and I won't have any more headaches about the 8, 16, 32 core processors that are no doubt coming out in the future. I don't know anything about them now. The Intel folk were very kind in terms of limiting their code to stuff that I already know about exists. Anyway, there's still potential for Apple to use aspects of mobile app development, so it's not like half of it has been lost with regards to Intel. But I will keep you all informed via this podcast format, and a lot of correspondence as well. Been a fascinating time in terms of actually talking about both Biota and Noble Ape, and I'm looking forward to interviewing David Van Nuys, who does the Shrink Rap Radio podcast. I'm going to interview him for Biota.org. I have an interview out currently with a group of artificial life folk in Argentina, which will be interesting. And I've had some correspondence with a fellow who does a science fiction philosophy podcast. I think his name's Jason Rennie. He just put out a podcast with the Douglas Adams Is There an Artificial God? discussion from Biota 2. And he's promised to have me on his podcast in sometime in the mid to near future, I guess. Near to mid-future. What's particularly fascinating about all this is having started started working the best damn podcast ever folk, their subscription has doubled and I've stopped counting biota.org and ape reality in terms of subscription numbers. I gave a two day seminar on creating and strengthening a community through podcasting. That should be creating podcasts and strengthening a community through podcasting. And it was absolutely fascinating. I did it at a local Barnes and Noble and quite well, not brilliantly attended, but it, it was quality rather than quantity, I think, in terms the attendees. It was fascinating actually putting some of the lessons that I've learnt through open source artificial life and yes, even podcasting into a kind of public forum. And people were very receptive to what I had to say. It's fascinating. Outside from my wife and occasional co-workers, I really don't talk for long periods. 
periods of time other than these curious podcasts. Don't have a lot of people to talk to in Vegas. It's a somewhat isolated environment in that regard. And uh, it was fascinating to be able to talk for a kind of long format, I think, with questions and answers that came to about an hour and a half each time. So it was a, an interesting kind of outreach. I want to put out in the podcast, aside from giving away shirts and original manuals and other kinds of things, that if anyone is coming through Las Vegas or they live in Las Vegas and they listen to this podcast, please get in contact, Tom at Noble8.com. I'm always really impressed to see what's going on with Grey Thumb and if there are even, you know, one or two of us here in Las Vegas that can kind of communicate or really even something California, Las Vegas. I mean, within a four-hour commuting region, let's just say, maybe a three-hour commuting region. Anyway, it would just be nice to do a kind of get-together thing. I don't really get a sense of the people that listen to this podcast, aside from the half a dozen that email me on a frequent basis. Thank you to all. Anyway, this has been a long, amusing, rambling podcast, which I guess you could probably expect, having not done a podcast for a long period of time. Feedback, criticism, discussion points, tom at noble8.com. Love getting email. Love getting email from listeners who I haven't heard from. Love getting email from the regulars. Thank you very much for tuning into this podcast. Look forward to you tuning into the next podcast.